One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. England kicked off their Autumn Nations series campaign with a routine win over Tonga on Saturday afternoon. If you can call 11 tries, a routine win. Uh, There are tougher tests awaiting though, but it was an encouraging start. Marcus Smith was deemed only fit enough to start from the bench, but he made a serious impression during the 28 minutes he was on the field. The Harlequin star was greeted with a huge reception from the home crowd and he didn't disappoint. We'll be assessing Smith's impact off the bench, what role he could play going forward for England, alongside returning skipper Owen Farrell, who has rejoined the squad following a false positive Covid test. Elsewhere, we will recap on the thrilling weekend of games around Europe. Scotland produced a fine display to see off Australia at Murrayfield. South Africa bludgeoned their way to victory over Wales in a rain-soaked Cardiff, and Ireland running nine tries in their win over Japan in Dublin. England's women produced another impressive performance on Sunday, beating the World Cup rivals New Zealand once again. The Red Roses followed up their emphatic win last week with a record-breaking win over the Black Ferns and have now cemented themselves as the world's best side ahead of the World Cup next year. Despite his side's dominance, the head coach Simon Middleton said they need to be better if they want to win next year's World Cup. We'll be speaking to him about what exactly his side can improve on and how he intends to keep them grounded before next year's competition. We'll also be looking ahead to a full round of games this weekend and we'll be answering your questions as always. Delighted to welcome back alongside me to discuss all this, the former England centre Tom May. Hi, how are we doing? England 69, Tonga 3, 11 tries. (laughs) 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 We did use the word routine. In a sense it was, but I'm sure the side will say, well, what more do you expect us to do? It didn't start well, did it, with Tonga being late? Given they're only down at the Lensbury, I don't know how you managed to do that. But um, Listen, I, I think it's one of those games, I think, where where every fan watching sort of underestimate what you have to do to break a team like that down. You know, yeah. Tonga aren't going to roll over. But I think it, there, there's an inevitability about the result um, yes. all the time when you when you come up against teams like that, fairly underpowered in the end. And, and I think, you know, some good tries from England. The build-up during the week all centred around the number 10 shirt. It was given to Owen Farrell, then it was taken off him because he had a COVID test, which turned out to be false. Were you surprised that George Furbank was given the shirt ahead of Marcus Smith? I think Smith had been struggling with an injury, hadn't he? And probably Furbank had been training all week. So rather than change everything around and pile a whole load of more pressure onto onto Marcus Smith, um, who I think is probably next in line, um, rather than you know jumping 
you know, George Furbank jumping into that slot. I think I think just stick with what's been going on during the week, and they can get away with it probably against. I think there's a case of yeah. being able to get away with it against Tonga. They probably wouldn't have done that against Australia or South Africa. What do you think of Smith when he eventually got his chance? I mean, 28 minutes seemed fairly impressive to me. Uh, he just attacks the line well, doesn't he? He's brilliant every time he plays. Um, I don't think over the past couple of seasons there are many games where you can highlight him having played poorly. Uh, I mean, I've seen, I've seen games at Quinns when Quinns have struggled in general, when they've not been on the front foot. And like all players, with slow ball, it's been much more difficult for him to play the game he wants. But in this sort of game, then, yes, I mean, I mean what do you think he offers when he comes on that Furbank doesn't? I think his first intent is to, is to look up and try and see where space is. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a. It's a. He doesn't play the game to in the in the manner of playing chess. He looks to try and attack, find weaknesses, and be aggressive in inverted commas about the way his team plays. Yeah, and I think you can see that in, in the way that he's performed for Quinns. And I think that, you know the difference he made. He just attacks the line with space. He's sort of skipping about in the air. Defenders don't quite know where he's going to uh, appear or, or, or going to put the ball. And I think that's a huge advantage to the teams he plays for. Well, Charlie Morgan wrote in the Telegraph, we're going to uh, hear more from Charlie over the coming weeks about his analysis uh, of England and various aspects of their play. You know, He, he said uh, that Smith was almost Finn Russell-esque in the way that he looks to attack cold, quick tap penalties and, and, and so on. Now, um, that undoubtedly gives England a... I mean, first of all, when you've got a direct running threat from 10, you know, it, that helps uh, fix certain defenders, doesn't it? Before you start playing options inside and out. And what's always been impressive for me, like Finn Russell, is not just what um, Smith and Russell do themselves, it's how they bring other players into the game. Yeah, it's an understanding of how they fix defenders, isn't it? And if they attack an inside shoulder of a, of a 10 or a 12... The, the, the knock-on effect of that for other players in attack. Um, and I think that level of detail to, to their game, I think, really opens up space. Some of, the, some of the clips that I saw on social media from the game between Scotland and Australia for, uh, with Finn Russell, ball in hand, some of those skills are out of this world. And to be able to pull them off at that intensity... And, and leave the ball in space for other players in a game where we're always talking about there being less and less space, I think it's crucial. I mean, the thing about uh, Owen Farrell's return, he, in some ways, Henry Slade, his man of the match performance, makes Smith's inclusion even less likely, which, which sounds a bit obtuse, but let me explain. If we accept that Manu Tulangi will always play under Jones, and he will do, and there are good reasons for him to do that, and Owen Farrell is his captain then as long as Henry Slade is playing <laughs> man-of-the-match performances, that leaves no room for Smith to start. And I, the, the one difficult thing to say is that with Owen Farrell not, in, uh, not as a starter, all England's options in the backs open up massively. And I've not, I've never, I will not make a call for Owen Farrell, you know, to, 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 to be sidelined or whatever. But I do think for this series of games alone... Given the proximity for the World Cup and that this is probably the last chance they've got a, f- a free hit at experimenting, I would like to see Farrell not starting and a different combination just to see where we are. And I don't see why Jones wouldn't want to see that. And that is different from bringing them on later when there will either be um, a fair wind and they're on the front foot and they're winning well, which makes it easier, or it'll be more difficult because they're struggling. 
I just like to see when it's neutral and we start from scratch from the kickoff. Yeah, I think there's an element whereby you know we've got two games left. Hopefully they'll all stay fit and COVID free. Um, I mean, the, the interesting bit is is who who would you prefer to have on your on your replacements bench? Down the bottom of that list, of that list of four, Smith, Manu, um, Slade, and Far- you, I mean, you, you wouldn't have Farrell just because he's not really going to change a game in any in any aspect in comparison to the other three. Yeah. The thought of bringing Manu Tuolangi on at sixty minutes as a midfielder, as a former midfielder, makes my stomach churn. But um, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good thing. Good thing. You know, that's what you want the opposition to do. Isn't exactly. It? Uh, how do you think the How do you think they will light up at ten twelve? 13 this week. I'd love to see them go with go with Marcus Smith with Manu and Slade just to see what it's like. I'm in you know I'm in agreement with you here in that we need to know what's what England are capable of when you remove Owen Farrell out of that mix. Um you know there's no doubt that there is a huge requirement for him and he's got a massive role to play for England but we did, you know he's not going to be there all the time. Um you know and this this weekend has proved that point. Um I'd love for them to go with that three. Well, that's less likely from the when you when you you hear Ernie Jones warning Smith not to get carried away with his fame, citing a, Emma Raducanu as someone letting the fame affect their performance. Well, first of all, I mean the, the, these are completely different things. One one is a team sport, and one is a sport on which only one person can can win a tournament, and she's eighteen. Um, well, one of the things he highlighted as well, I think, was done before the U.S. Open. Yes, um, which has sort of slightly unpicked his argument, but yeah. I, I don't understand. I mean, of all the people, you know, I, I, the people I know at Queen's and know well, none of them say that Smith is full of himself. I haven't seen him on social media. I haven't seen him, uh, you know, out in nightclubs. I haven't seen him uh, in fashion suits. I haven't seen him doing this, that, and the other. I, I haven't even seen him uh, fashioning his own try celebration, like, you know, the, 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 the Ashton. No. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything that would warrant that sort of. Put down. I, I, I've hosted strange. a couple of events during during the past couple of uh, years, and he's been very humble on mm-hmm. those on those events. You know, a very down to earth young lad. Um, clearly, got a fair bit about him, as you'd expect from from someone that young. But I think he's, I think to, uh, it's interesting tactic from Eddie. I mean, uh, Eddie is not without. Uh, you know, he, he does this. I know he does this. You know, directed to challenge players, and uh, if I were advising Smith, not that he needs advice, but I think. He's just to say, right, just get, just keep your head down. Keep keep going the way you're going. Keep playing well. That's the best answer. You can't win a war of words. There's no point in getting involved in that. Um, so just just keep playing the way you are. And actually, the the pressure will the pressure will build because people people see this and they think, well, you know, people like me, you, I think I'm a reasonable, um, you know, a, a judge. I think I'm a a reasonable person in this respect. You know, when you see things, you have to think. I'm not sure that's fair. Not when he, not when there's no no reason no um yep. you know it's it's uh, you'll, be, you'll be wondering whether him telling him to cut his hair hair next but yeah. you know i think um you know he's 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 a young lad that we need to leave to himself and if he keeps performing at the level that we have seen and now expect then then what what more can we ask of him we spoke to freddie stewart last week uh, on uh, the podcast and he had a reasonably assured performance uh, i thought the for a, for a, a debut at twickenham in front of uh, in front of a full house, I thought he, I thought he did quite well. Yeah, I think. Look, as a fullback at, at, at Test level, if you've got a big guy that runs good lines and safe under the high ball, um, I think you've got someone that you really want to try and. Um, you know, we talk about those those 
pivotal positions in in a, in a in a team. Fifteen being one of those. He's he's sort of got that that edge about him. Um, I like the way he plays the game, and, and he's another young lad, isn't he? That's come into the team and, and has made a difference. You know, look look at alongside him the other day, and talk about someone that burst onto the scene. Adam Radwan, um, you know, playing up at Newcastle, a former club of mine, and uh, there is no substitute for pace, and that is an that is a case in point. And I think for someone like that, some of the big names that we saw left out, you know. Haven't haven't you know necessarily featured for England in that back three for, for someone like him to come in score s- set up uh, Alex Mitchell slightly dodgy offload but yeah. we'll let him away with that it was the pace that got England to that point anyway yeah. then you talk about the midfield and the creativity within that you combine that with the pace out wide of Radwan then you've got something really interesting because the other thing is um, although England have had a lot of players that have played fifteen and done okay you can't say that that one of them. Has said, "This is mine." No, uh, look. There's a. There's a. Max Malins is obviously the other, other other player that you could say, right? This guy needs to be given an opportunity. He does. He, he does. Yeah. Where, now, whether or not you put him on the wing or, or or you put him at fullback, yet to be seen. But um, I think it's a great position for England to be in when they've got choices to make. Uh, so we've got back row: Laws, Underhill, and Curry. Did 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 well. Uh, note the opposition and the standard that as well but uh, a few calling for Don Brandt to get the nod at eight um, I think it, this again for me is a question of let's just see if you're not going to do if, you, if not now when are you going to do this yeah and uh, do you play him against the Australians that perhaps aren't aren't necessarily as confrontational uh, I say that in inverted commas by the way uh, as, as South Africans but um, not as overtly physical are they no but I, I think I think Don Brandt has has an element to his game that that probably those three um, that you previously mentioned in, in Courtney um, Sam Underhill and Tom Curry don't have. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about finding players that have something to make a difference um, that 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 gives something added to the to the to the mix that England have. I've been calling for England to be more expansive for a while, and I don't mean simply throwing the ball around. You know that that doesn't get you anywhere. What I'm talking about is looking for the less safe option when there are options, you know, and trying to keep the ball in hand when there is a reasonable expectation and possibility of you making that and trying to build momentum that way rather than going back to the nothing seems to be happening after two phases, let's kick the ball and not kick it particularly well. Um, How important do you think or what do you think they will do against better opposition Australia this weekend? I think Eddie is going to surprise us all. And give Marcus Smith a shot. I'm just hoping that our message gets out to him. Um, <laughs> I, I'd love, to, I'd love to see him given a given a chance. I, I wonder whether or not he he will. Um, I think he has the capability to open up a game at the latter stages, which I think is also important to a team. Um, yeah, it, uh, is Eddie going to really make those decisions? I, I I don't know. I'd love to see him swayed that way. Well, let's have a look at the other internationals. Um, Dom, you were in Rome to watch Italy take on the All Blacks. How was that? I mean, you look at the scoreline, you think they got absolutely panned. But 
for the first 25, 30 minutes, Italy were, were in good shape. Now, there's a lot of handling errors, uncharacteristic hand, handling errors from the All Blacks. They made 10 in the first 40 minutes. I love Garbisi at 10. I think he's a good young player alongside Stephen Varney, who's obviously we've seen in the in the Premiership at Gloucester. And, and Brex at 13 is a very solid defensively. That's what they built that first 30 minutes on. Had a couple of opportunities. Carl Dixon blew up too early, but the sniff of an opportunity and New Zealand scored twice and you almost saw the wind taken from the sails. Well, you saw that against Wales, didn't you? Five minutes, bang, three tries. And that's what they do. Well, they've had a trip to Dublin, Ireland, thumped Japan. Ireland at home, you can never discount them. Do you, do you make them evens or do you make the All Blacks slight favourites or what? Well, I think when you see the capability of the All Blacks, when they made so many changes, um, yeah. largely the team that took on the US in, in Chicago, uh, Washington the week before, when all of those guys come back in, it's a it's a slightly different proposition, isn't it, from the All Blacks? I think you'll be very yeah. tough for Ireland this weekend. Um, Japan, a lot of fanfare up to including and after the World Cup, but they've now lost four in a row. Um, people are saying, what's wrong with them? It's just a case of they are playing better standard fixtures, which they wanted to do, and which makes it more difficult for them. So it's not just a question of win and loss column. You've got to look at who they've been playing, and and it's like this. You know, you have runs and 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 teams need to evolve I think also there's a level of expectation now exactly. we, ex- we expect them to turn everyone over Yes. Uh, now they didn't fire a shot at the weekend till, a, till about an hour in did they no. um, and, and we don't necessarily expect that from, from Japan we expect them to be to be firing um, straight away from the beginning I think there were some great tries from Ireland yeah. um, which, which probably put Japan on the back foot but let's, let's not get too carried away I think is the message um, Scotland three wins in a row uh, over Australia on Sunday. It was a narrow win, but uh, how impressed were you? Well, maybe my last sentence was quite good. Let's not get too carried away too. <laughs> no, no. I think, I think sometimes there's a danger, you know, and, and there was a comment made on social media last night, wasn't well, there? Well, there is a fan question. Dr Grant Campbell, how excited should Scotland supporters be of their team? Are they in a good position to go one in Six Nations 2022? Still too early to say. Look, let's be cautiously optimistic. Because we've been here, and look, all Scottish uh, listeners know this. It's been a painful road, and because it's a hope that kills you. And uh, you nearly get there, only to think, oh, God, it's happened. But I tell you what, if they back this up against South Africa, because South Africa up next is, a, is, is probably the best challenge, you know, when you want to, when you want to try and answer this, uh, how do we have hope? Because they are, uh, you know, an overtly physical team. And the only things that have undone Scotland in the past, you know, when they've been on these runs that look to be full of promise, is being beaten up, you know, and 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 being bullied around up front physically. Uh, if they if they stop that and they manage to come through this one, then you have to say, yeah, you've got much more cause for optimism. Or will it be a case that you know the Achilles heel? And let's face it, South Africa have done this to a lot of teams as well, and and they did it to England, not just not just Scotland. So if they can if they can overcome that particular challenge, then yes, uh, Doctor Campbell, I, I think uh, you should be reasonably cautiously excited. Yeah, I think that they've got some world class players now as well, haven't they? Yes. Russell, Hogg, Watson, yep. uh, Van der Merwe, I think is a complete nightmare on the wing for anyone that he's playing against. And you know, I th- I think when when they have the sniffing opportunity and it comes back down to the players like Russell. You know, there's a massive line break from um, Stuart Hogg at the weekend. It's taking those moments where it's almost something out of nothing yep. and capitalising on those. That's what Scotland need to do more of to make sure that they yeah. you know, build those scores. 
Well, Wells welcomed back all their Premiership players, but they fell short against the Springboks, who ground their way out to a win. Uh, do you, look, do you, do you think they could have won had it not been for that half-wit uh, who came on the pitch and potentially blocked Liam Williams from scoring a try? Well, they, look, there were three covering South Africans, weren't there? But you have to think that Liam Williams in full flight, um, I don't think it was the pass that made him twist, was it? It was the idiot lying on the floor. I, I think they'll be pretty... Pretty feel they're pretty hard done by. Well, uh, the, well, the thing that should make uh, Wells angry and and all the fellow uh, supporters want to kick this man, you know, and I say that not figuratively, um, is the fact that it's not about him. Everyone else, eighty thousand people have paid to watch a test match against South Africa. The boys are trying as hard as they can. They get in a position like this, and no, I'm so important that me in a drunken or high state is going to ruin this particular chance. You know, I, I got into trouble once for, on, for, on commentary for saying that someone who did this deserved a good kicking, but I don't resile from that. It does deserve a good kicking. <laughs> I, think, I think also um, we're highlighting another, another problem that arises from social media because people think this is hilarious to put it all over their, their social media channels and then, and then it gets retweeted to however what, what, many followers. If, if I want to see you on International, let you work your way up and get, your, get a red shirt on and deserve to do it that way. I'll gladly watch you then. Yeah. But until then... Sort off because it's nothing, nothing to do with you. Yeah, and if, in fact, it's an arrogance. It's a, I am more important than all of you people. Because let you, you watch me. I haven't done anything to deserve this, but I'm so arrogant or stupid that I believe I should be the centre of attention. Well, no, you shouldn't be. Well, he was drenched by some, uh, a fair few of those uh, Welsh supporters mm. passing on their their uh, well earned points onto his head. So, and, and deservedly so. Well, what a week uh, it has been for England's women. They made it back-to-back wins over New Zealand. They cemented their spot as the world's number one side. And I'm delighted to say we've got their head coach here, Simon Middleton. Hello, Simon. How are you doing, Brian? All right. A big smile. Uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't have a big smile. Two thumping wins. Um, I hesitate to say it's, it's better than you, you could have imagined. But I think what, what, what are you particularly pleased about? Uh, I, th- I think uh, our forward play was pretty pretty exceptional. Uh, you know, we've it's we we uh, it was well documented that we we lost our way a little bit uh, over the Six Nations last year. We weren't quite where we needed to be, and I think uh, to to bring that back into you know back into line, we were with the expectations we have uh, was great. And uh, but also some of the leadership stuff and some of the, the, the play around the halfbacks was great for us. You know, we two, two great scrum half performances uh, and then two great halfback performances from, uh, from Zoe Harrison. Uh, so plenty, you know, plenty of positives. Well, to accommodate the loss of Emily Scarrett, both her points um, scoring from, from, from boot and hand and her leadership and almost seamless, that must have been a big, uh, a big Philip as well. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. Uh, you know, she's just uh, she's been a work in progress for a while, uh, Zoe, and uh, you know, she works really hard at her game, particularly the kicking game. She's got a fantastic kicking game. Uh, but that bit about the leading the team and uh, you know the responsibility that comes with comes with it. And I spoke to her a while ago about you know, how she leads the team at Saris, who were you know who, who, notwithstanding last year have been champions for two years, and said you know you, you need to think of it that way. You know, they're, they're, you're in the same seat. Uh, you know, and we just wanted to see more than that, and uh, she she's done that fantastically well for the first two games. Yeah. 
Simon, it's, on paper, it's been a perfect set of results. Um, but I know probably in the back of your mind, there are areas that you're looking to focus on to ensure that you uh, come away with a World Cup success. Uh, perhaps you could give us a bit of an insight to those, to those areas that you're looking to build upon. Yeah, I think, you know, you're always looking to build on all the detail of everything. And, you know, our, our set piece was, was, was huge in terms of the, the step forward we made, but there'll be lots of things in there as well. I think probably the thing that my initial reflections on yesterday's game was uh, just we need to be a little, a little bit more expansive when our opportunities arise. I thought we got a little bit too dependent on the forwards yesterday, but they were in the ascendancy and, and you know, we, we wanted to capitalise on that. But with the opportunities to to identify and run, uh, and I'd like to see us run the ball a little bit more. We had, I think when we look back in detail, we'll see lots of lots of chances that we could have put, put, played the ball into space because, you know, we want to play an expansive game as well. We want to be entertained. There was a great crowd in yesterday and I thought we could have entertained them a little bit more, uh, particularly, you know, once the game was, was, was sort of sealed and we knew we had that line out in particular to, to fall back on if we need it. So I would like to see the, the backs gain a little bit more confidence from shifting the ball and, and getting into space a little bit. And, and also, you know, the New Zealanders showed how, what a threat they are, particularly across their back line when they attack you. Uh, we have to be better defensively. We have to be stronger. Uh, but you, you you look at our back line yesterday, it's a very young back line. Yes. And they had a very, you know, it, it was a complete flip. We had a young back line. They had a very experienced back line. We had a very experienced pack. They had a very young pack. And I think, you know, it was there to be seen. Well, the packs always uh, decide the things, don't they? <laughs> tell, let me tell you. Let me ask you this: um, Holly Aitchison uh, pitches a debut in that difficult Channel Thirteen, which is a notoriously problematic defensively um, channel. What made you take that gamble? Because a lot of people, including me, were thinking, "I'm not sure I would have gone this down this route." <laughs> but you did, and it paid off. So, what, why did you take that? What made you? What made you decide that? Well, I, th- I think Ollie's a really good footballer, full stop. Uh, and, and probably the, the positions where she excels, i.e. 12, 10, we've sort of got those covered now, which is a great, great position to be in because they, they've obviously been positioned we've been trying to develop for a while. And we wanted to get her into the team and we wanted to give her an opportunity to, to play. Uh, and what she's, what she's proved outstandingly well in training when she's coming is her capacity to read the ball uh, in defence. And some of her defensive reads have been absolutely brilliant. And, you know, you can stop yourself being... Uh, steamrolled by by bigger players if you if you're good at reading the play uh, and I thought our, both our wingers as well have been absolutely exceptional in, in their defence over the last couple of games, but Ollie in particular was you know we know she's got a good running threat she's a very good organiser uh, she's got a good kicking game and uh, and and that was a bit about you know how will she go defensively and she just she she, she was so smart in defence that uh, yeah and you you, you want to see don't you you want to you want to take chances and you want to see what the what the young ones have got and you know she stepped right up uh, next up Canada um, third ranked side uh, where do you think they will pose a threat to you oh well I've had a quick look at them because they played USA uh, over the last week and they look very organised. The, the, they don't offer you as much in defence as New Zealand offer you. Uh, their set piece looks stronger, to, to be fair. You know, Deeks has had a, had a quick look at them and he, and he, he was, yeah, they, they're going to challenge us. They'll bring a little bit there. So physically, they'll be in good shape, particularly the fact that they've had a couple of hit outs now because uh, they're always very physical, very athletic. Uh, and so, you know, they've got a good carrying game. But they look like they'll be difficult to break down defensively. So I think you know we'll have to work a little bit harder for our space uh, on uh, on the weekend. You've now got yourself to number one in the world. That that 
that holy grail position. Uh, how, how do you make sure that you, um, I guess, don't peak too early before the World Cup? How hard is it to maintain that momentum? Yeah, that's that 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 is the holy grail, isn't it? That one, not not peaking too early, which I think we definitely did last time round. Uh, well, we've got, I mean, obviously we've got a Six Nations to go before then. Uh, there's lots of club rugby to be played as well, uh, and then we've got a summer where we can prep the side, and we'll have the side pretty much for eight weeks solid. Uh, so I think getting the balance of of our training, our work and rest across that period and making sure that we keep the, the players as fresh as possible will be it'll be absolutely critical so that's that's a key part for us because it's essential we get that bit right Simon um, thanks very much you can't do any more at the moment keep doing it uh, congratulations to you give our congratulations to the girls as well thank you mate I will indeed cheers Brian cheers, cheers. guys Tom, some very sad news broke last week concerning your former Newcastle and Toulon teammate, uh, the former All Black, Carl Heyman, who's become the latest ex-pro to be diagnosed with early-onset dementia. Um, what's your take on this? Yeah, you know, incredibly, uh, I don't know, tough news to to get my head around, really, from from Carl's perspective. Uh, I was messaging him, make, you know, and I know he's had a huge amount of support from, from a number of people. Um, and I think it's really, it's a tough position because, you know, you don't know what these guys are going through. Um, and I think the support that we need to give them is crucial. I'm not entirely convinced about the way that they're going about doing it, going after going after governing bodies. Um, I'm, not, I'm not that comfortable with it as a, as a um, precedent of, of, of way to go about it, but I, I can, I sort of understand why. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's really difficult, and I think until you're in that position and you have that diagnosis, I don't think any of us are really in a position where you say well, that's wrong or right. No, I, I fully understand, and I'm I'm, I'm pretty certain that um, if we were in the position, we you know we would feel uh, aggrieved as well, and so on. I, I it just it reinforces the game's duty to carry on being vigilant. Um, the, the the one aspect that I I've never been comfortable with is the allegation that rugby has in some way been like the NFL and been um, dismissive of this or, or actively deceitful, which the NFL were. Is there a game that has done more for understanding uh, no. concussion? No, there isn't. Actually. You know, but you... one of the reasons we've got all these uh, statistics is that, that that rugby bothered to gather them. Yeah. Whereas other sports still haven't. We, the the, the Astle Foundation within football doing a huge amount of work and, along the same lines. Yes. Um, but you look at all the technology that's being used now by players, not only at the international level, but at club level, in terms of collision yeah. speeds and, and how that affects people. I, th- I think the game's doing a huge amount. And I would, I would say it is incumbent on when these uh, structures are put there on, in terms of the amount of contact you can do, that clubs stick to them, even if they're in trouble in, on the field. You know, this is the more important thing. You must, you must do, you must take best practice because I tell you what, if you don't, we will get to a situation where the courts will intervene, and then it will be very different. Yeah, you know, I hundred percent agree. I think it's a difficult position for for anyone that hasn't had that to, to comment. But you know, and, and within and within that, I just add. Sorry, within that, I would add. Let's make sure funds are available for these people who are yes. unfortunate. And when we need to support them. And yes. that's the, I think that's what everyone has agreed on. Yes. It's just the manner in which we go about this. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. A huge thank you to my co-host Tom May and to my guest Simon Middleton for joining me. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, you can check out all our previous episodes by registering or subscribing to the full podcast channel. It's free. And a reminder, I'll be back through the Autumn series and beyond. Next week, we'll have the former Springbok captain, Bob Skinsad, who is always worth a view. And we'll be reviewing the clashes, looking ahead to England's clash with his Springboks. And until then, it's goodbye. <laughs>